G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Now that the election outcomes have settled, we're reminded that some of the biggest cultural battles still remain. Two special guests today reminding us that Australian children and especially girls are at risk of being steamrolled by the trans agenda. Kiralee Smith from Binary is joining us, along with champion weightlifter Deborah Ackerson, who will tell her story today. Deborah is a dual Olympian, a five-time Commonwealth Games representative, a Commonwealth gold medalist, in fact, as a woman who has competed in the traditionally male-dominated sport of Olympic weightlifting for 20 years. Deborah's a past Australian Weightlifting Federation director and the first female inducted into the AWF Hall of Fame. She's also competed against a transgender athlete at the 2018 Gold Coast Commonwealth Games who weighed in almost 50 kilo- kilograms more than she did. Kiralee Smith says the trans agenda is preparing to engulf your children from the preschool to the swimming pool. We'll get a focus on parental rights today and the damage of the transgender ideology. You'll be aware that the issue gained significant attention in the recent federal election, especially in attention to Tasmanian Senator Claire Chandler's Save Women's Sport Bill. We'll talk about that. There's a move now, though, to escalate some momentum and use it to inform the newly elected parliament and state leaders. Kiralee Smith leads Binary and has been one of the prominent voices standing up to the rampant campaign to de-gender Australian society. Kiralee, a special welcome along to you. Thank you for having me, Neil. And to Deborah Ackerson, also joining us, Commonwealth Champion Women's Weightlifter and also an award-winning cyclist. Deborah, a welcome along to you. Thanks so much for having me. Kiralee, first of all, as we get this conversation underway, how urgent is it to put legal protections around women competing in sport? It's very urgent, Neil. Uh, In 2013, Julia Gillard and her government removed protections for biological sex in the Anti-Discrimination Act. And since then, there's been an increasing move towards uh, males particularly appropriating womanhood to participate in sport and in other areas that you and I have discussed before. But under this Labor government, we know that their policy uh, is to allow anyone to identify as a woman. They refuse to define the term woman, even though Anthony Albanese himself said uh, a woman is an adult female, their policy does not reflect that. And so uh, we're seeing already, and I'm receiving letters every week from concerned parents and coaches of where this is happening at community level sports and right through up to the elite level, um, as Deborah will explain in a moment. Well, listeners will know we have talked about Laurel Hubbard before on this program. And today, what a privilege to have an athlete that has competed against Laurel Hubbard. Now, Laurel Hubbard, of course, is a trans athlete and uh, recently retired, as I understand it. But Deborah Ackerson, let me just go through some of the accolades here for Deborah as uh, we hear her story. Deborah won bronze at the World Youth Championships in Athletics. She's three silver medals at the 2002 Commonwealth Games, gold at the 2006 Commonwealth Games, bronze in 2010, and a proud member of our Olympic team 2004 and 2008. Deborah, uh, wonderful accolades, but let me ask you, as we get our conversation underway, Deborah, you're also a Christian and active in your Presbyterian Church in Queensland. Yeah, look, that's right. Um, faith's always been a very, um, you know, pretty much everything uh, to me growing up as a kid. And my, my parents um, founded a Christian school and 
um, co-founded, sorry, a Christian school and, you know, really instilled in all of us five kids um, the importance of our faith and that, you know, everything builds on that. So that's always, you know, I've always been um, very open about that and, um, you know, and thankful that I've always had a really uh, great family that I that I was born into, but also a wonderful, um, you know, church community that I've been a part of and, you know, I take very seriously. I was on the Little Valley Kids Church on Sunday and, um, yeah, just really important to be, to be um, you know, part of the next generation of our, of our Christian kids and our leaders. When you're part of a church, you're exposed to biblical teaching that there is a man and a woman. And when we talk about binary issues, that's what we're talking about. There are men and there are women. All of the confusion that comes doesn't have a lot of foundation when it comes to uh, having, you know, substance to it. Now, Deborah, you're also a mother of three young girls. Uh, Tell us about your family and how this is all interacting with your thoughts around this trans agenda. Yeah, look, um, you know, I was very thankful to have my first daughter and then my second and then, um, you know, a clean sleep of three out of three was amazing and, um, you know, very, very satisfying as a mother. Um, it was it was a great moment and, you know, my, my first daughter's just competed at the National Judo Championships last week. She's only 10 years old, but she's, um, you know, enjoying the sport. And I guess, you know, even, even just that side of things um, has really brought to light just you know, initially it was about myself competing against Laurel at the Commonwealth Games and, and, you know, all the complications that that kind of involved. But then, it, you know, and then I suddenly, you know, found myself pregnant with number three thinking, wow, my oldest daughter is now competing and this is actually, you know, becoming such a massive issue for our children. And, and I think just, just the fact that I'm coaching, you know, girls soccer and, um, you know, I've got a lot to do with my daughter's um, training with judo and just just the thought, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sort of... I suppose I'm not frightened because you know I've got hope and I and I know that the you know the truth will prevail and and you know I've got you know my my beliefs and, and that side of things but I know that things aren't always going to be fair and we have to fight for them and um, you know that that's where yeah I guess that's made it um, even more of an issue for me with my with my three girls coming through playing sport that I can you know sort of uh, yeah that's why I'm, that's why I'm very um, big advocate on, on this um, yeah on this issue because I just don't want it to be not just for my girls obviously but for, for um, yeah all the other girls coming through in community sport and in, in childhood sport um, they're the ones that are going to be our lead athletes in the future but they also want to play in a safe environment too. I think there's something very significant. Uh, I suspect you are going to be a elevated voice, uh, one of the main players into the times to come when it comes to the battle that there is for women and girls. And you're well equipped to, might I say, and Deborah, you have a double degree in laws and criminology and criminal justice. Uh, is this something that gives you something of a confidence uh, when you're going to be speaking about these sorts of issues and defending girls and women in sport? Oh, look, um, you know, it's certainly handy to, you know, to have a law, law degree in my back pocket. But, um, you know, I just feel like, uh, you know, lived experience and what, what I've personally, um, you know, trained and what I've gone through and the hard work, um, the, you know, the boys that I've seen come through into the into the gym and, and how quickly they improve and just the strength that these teenage boys have. And, and I sit, stand there thinking, wow, you know, it's taken me 10 years to get to this point and here they are coming along so quickly. I mean, I have such lived experience, um, you know, in this area, in a, in a strength sport, um, that, you know, I need to be heard on this topic and, and I have the right to be heard, I, I suppose, as well because, you know, I, no one else has done what I've done in terms of my sport. Um, no one's been to five consecutive come-off games in Australia, male or female. So, you know, I've sort of I've had that achievement in this sport and, you know, now being a mum, knowing what my body went through, um, you know, to have these three girls, um, even, you know, to know the changes that your body goes through on that side of things as well and to come back and compete at the come-off games after my first daughter and to compete at, a, at the Gold Coast come off games after my second daughter as well. Um, I know how hard that is, and I, and I know, you know, what it takes to get there. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm quite well equipped to, um, you know, to speak on the topic. And I did feel like this is always going to be sort of something that I was, um, what's the, word, you know, destined, I suppose, to, to speak about. Um, so, yeah, so I'm very, very happy to be speaking from my experience and and trying to fight for, yeah, girls to have a fair a fair uh, go, which I had um, as an athlete, and they deserve that too. Well, Deborah, you are a woman to be honoured as a mother and as an athlete, and you're in this battle. We mentioned Laurel Hubbard. Uh, Laurel Hubbard is a transgender athlete and seemed to take women's weightlifting by storm 
you had, I'm not sure whether to call it the privilege of, of uh, competing against Laurel Hubbard. I wonder if you can tell us about your experience in competing against Laurel. Yeah, look, um, you know, there was a transgender athlete that competed at a world championship a couple of years earlier. And, you know, that, that I suppose didn't affect um, our, our you know, sport so much or our team. It was sort of not, not a big deal. But as soon as it was, you know, someone from our um, Oceania region and affected our home Commonwealth Games, that's where it became quite a topic. Um, and, you know, I suppose there was some sadness in my fifth and last, you know, Commonwealth Games, um, which I wanted to be a massive celebration for, for me, for my coach, for my family, for my club for my country um, and pretty much the only thing I was ever asked about was this transgender athlete and how I felt and I mean it, it's hard to describe how you feel if you're not in that situation because you, you do train so incredibly hard I'm lifting up to 20 tonnes every single day for training um, you know putting your body through the absolute breaking point um, of training to then come to a competition and compete against someone that was a, a biological male for you know a good 30 plus years um, so so you know I suppose you know the the I wasn't trying to get limelight. I just wanted to enjoy the experience and, and that sort of was, you know, taken away to some degree because, you know, the whole, every everyone was talking about this athlete and um, to me that's just, you know, that's not, it's not fair. Um, but, you know, for the other girls that they didn't miss a medal in the end but um, could have and I think that's where, you know, it, it, on the day, maybe it could have been. It would have been a bigger story if um, Laurel hadn't hadn't been injured and had come out and, you know, taken a medal away from um, from the other girls. But um, yeah, yeah, it was certainly, um, certainly, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a, uh, over, not overwhelming, but it was quite a significant experience to go through. Um, since I was part of the first team that got to first women's team that got to compete at the Commonwealth Games, we were the first, you know, women in two thousand and two that got to compete at a Commonwealth Games after fifty two years of waiting. Um, and then I compete in a competition, you know, five five Commonwealth Games later, where I'm actually against a biological male athlete. So it was quite um, sort of a significant moment. Um, yeah, and, you know, at the time as an athlete, you can't say too much. You know, you're warned. And if you say anything that's, you know, controversial or if you say your thoughts or your feelings, you're going to be in trouble. So, you know, it's taken a while for me to realise, hang on, I, I've got nothing to lose now. I can actually say what I want to say and not be threatened to be kicked off a team. And I think that's, you know, that's a difficulty that a lot of, um, you know, females find themselves in is they can't, you know, they can't speak out about a teammate or a competitor because they will be ostracised. They will be, you know, it'll be all over the media and anyone can say anything on, on you know, on social media, as you know. And um, I think that that's the fear that you'll get kicked off a team and you'll lose your sport and you'll never play again if you, if you say anything that's controversial or, you know, your thoughts or feelings, which is, yeah, pretty disappointing. Past the peak of your competitive career, you've got nothing to lose now by speaking up and speaking out. When you're in the middle of your sporting career, uh, you risk, no doubt, somehow or other, a cancel culture creeping in there mm. and even mm. uh, perhaps even prematurely ending your career. But you've raised something very, very special that I've never spoken about on this program before. You've raised a very important point. Even the existence of trans athletes in women's sport, when a woman does well and she's questioned and she's honoured, what dominates the conversation is how she competed against the transgender athlete. And that takes all the oxygen away, takes all the honour away from women who are actually competing in sport, just the presence of a transgender athlete. Yeah, correct. And, and you know, my media after my competition, I mean, I, to be honest, until the other week, I didn't realise how close I actually could have come to a to getting a medal. And I'm a bit disappointed now, you know, four years on, that I didn't realise that, that I, you know, given the opportunity, maybe I should have gone for it a bit more and got a bit closer to that bronze. I didn't realise at the time. But, you know, now, you know, I finished my competition. There's such relief in some ways that you've got through this competition. The hard work is done. I can enjoy it with my family. I go to, you know, I go to walk through the media section and and, and everyone shoves the microphone in my face because they all want to know from the Australian how did it feel to to compete against a transgender athlete. And, you know, my, my, my immediate responses were, you know, this is my fifth Commonwealth Games. No one else has done that. I have two beautiful daughters that were cheering for me and you know I just had to basically answer my own <laughs> answer my own questions and give my own statements and you know I could see they weren't really interested in that they wanted a you know they wanted a, a bit of a phrase to put in the paper and you know I knew that I would probably have been taken out of the team at that point had I said anything and um you know I just didn't want to deal with that in that moment I just wanted to enjoy my my Commonwealth Games and my home Commonwealth Games and and my experience um, you know it's it, yeah, you know, you, you get quite conditioned as an athlete to to know what to say so that you're not, you know, you're not saying the right the wrong thing. But 
yeah, like you said, now um, this is all about you know the future future female elite athletes in our country. It's about my daughters as well, and um, everyone can see I've got nothing to prove. I'm not trying to get someone else out of a competition so that I can win. It's um yeah, it's about it's about the legacy of our sport and making sure that you know girls have a fair a fair play in sport. Deborah, often people will say this is an issue of fairness and it mm. seems to me that right now and what might be coming for the future of women in sport is that women will have to identify as victims to be heard by the government. Uh, there's a certain sense in which that is, oh my goodness, an insult to all women everywhere. What are your thoughts about women who need to be recognised uh, for their own sporting achievement in their own right without all of this discoloration that comes from uh, the transgender agenda? Yeah, I mean, you know, as I mentioned, it took 102 years for female weightlifters to actually have the right to compete at the Olympic Games. And, you know, even in that vote, I was told that there were still people that voted against women being able to lift weights at the Olympic Games. And then, you know, 52 years for women to wait to, you know, compete at the Commonwealth Games and weightlifting. And you just think, we have worked, like women, that my predecessors have worked so hard in so many different sports. They've, you know, some, a lot of women paid their own way for a lot of competitions before they actually got to the point of being professional athletes or to even have their, you know, their, their ticket paid for to go to the Olympic Games. I mean, that's beyond my... You know, that's even beyond me. I just think, how how could people scrape together? And some people probably couldn't afford to go to the Olympic Games because they couldn't pay for their uniform or their ticket or whatever it was. So I just think we have come so far. Like, women actually finally have, you know, the right to compete. Um, we, we are now recognised, you know, equally, just like men being able to compete in, in all these different sports and, um, you know, represent um, being a female. And, and, you know, even being in a strength sport for me... Um, it does sometimes, I, I do sometimes feel a bit annoyed that, you know, the men have all these records and everyone wants to watch big men compete because they lift so much weight. And I think, well, you know, not a lot of people or not as many people probably want to watch big females compete because, you know, as a society, it's a bit like, oh, you know, these big ladies coming and lifting big weights. But, you know, you sort of push through all that. And as a minority sport, like for me, I just I tell people about weightlifting and even my grandmother wasn't pumped about me competing in weightlifting. All oh, that's a man's sport. And I just think, you know, we've finally got to this point where, just for a little while in history, you know, women were <laughs> recognised for the achievements, um, not just compared to men, but just in their own right. And now, now we're sort of already going backwards and it's already turned a corner where suddenly, um, you know, we're, we're not even in that situation anymore. Now we've got to compete against some um, trans athletes who suddenly feel, to me, to be honest, feel like sometimes they've got more rights and it sort of seems a bit more like, yeah, women aren't a protected class. We've earned the right here. And now, now suddenly we're already, you know, turning a corner with that side of things too. So, yeah, it's sort of, it was, it was great to see women recognised in sport and now suddenly it's sort of, yeah, already turned a corner, unfortunately. Well, if you're wanting to turn a corner and take an uptick swing in the momentum, this is where we'll be talking through this issue today with two special guests as we've been hearing the story of Deborah Ackerson and uh, Deborah, a champion weightlifter. Also with us is Kiralee Smith, who leads Binary. She has been one of the prominent voices standing up to the rampant campaign to de-gender Australian society. And who's listening and who will speak up for girls and for women in sport. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision Christian Radio. Two special guests with us, Kiralee Smith, who leads Binary, and Deborah Ackerson is joining us, a Commonwealth champion, women's weightlifter, in fact, a Commonwealth gold medalist, and also award-winning cyclist, a wonderful athlete. And uh, Kiralee, let me come to you here as we get this part of our conversation underway. The thought that there will be some momentum that now needs to be recaptured because during the election campaign just recently, there was wonderful momentum and this order, uh, this uh, this uh, issue really uh, captured a lot of the limelight in the election campaign. You don't want to let things drop now that things are recovered to this point. How do we talk about momentum moving forward and how much does the Christian community have to do with that? Oh, a great deal, Neil. Uh, it, it's a very important issue and it's an issue that um, is very unfortunate that we have to deal with, but we do have to deal with it. And uh, 
as you know, Senator Claire Chandler did propose or table a bill, a Save Women's Sports Bill, before the election. Uh, it was not debated on, it was not voted on. So now we need to really pressure the government uh, to debate this bill and to vote on this bill. Uh, the, the whole point of this bill is to highlight the fact that there are no protections for biological sex in the sport, in the Act, that sporting clubs... Uh, there is an exemption that says they can discriminate lawfully on the grounds of sex, but then there's a lot of vagueness of how and uh, how far they can go when that discrimination is put in place. Most community sporting clubs don't have the resources, the ability, the time, the expertise or the money uh, to go into that sort of legal battle. So they just open their doors and allow transgender athletes to compete, even though uh, it's a very, very grey area, even though it's so difficult. So what we need to do what the Christian community needs to do, what any concerned parent, grandparent or concerned citizen needs to do is to write letters, emails, contact the Minister for Sport, the Minister for Women and make sure that this, uh, this issue and this bill in particular is at the forefront and it is debated and it is voted upon. Kira Lee, it seems to be there is a fear of cancel culture and LGBT pylons in our governments, whether it's our federal politicians or at state level. I note that just recently, last month, Labor and the Greens MPs in the Queensland Parliament voted to defeat a motion from Robbie Catter against transgender women participating in female sport. It's almost as though our politicians, our lawmakers, are fearful for standing up for women. Yes, they are. And they're very disconnected to what the community is thinking because most community surveys, polls, uh, and, and the like uh, show that 75 to 80%, 85% of all Australians are very concerned about this issue and want some kind of action. It's not unreasonable uh, to define a word. We rely on definitions of words. If people didn't understand the definitions of the words you and I are speaking about right now, this conversation would make no sense. But we have very uh, baseline uh, understandings of the words and the Attempts for the, the trans lobby to redefine the terms woman, male, female, um, man uh, has, has caused a lot of this and a lot of these problems. And uh, we need to get back to the basics and we need to inform our politicians that uh, they're wrong on this issue and they need to stand up and be counted. Um, if people want to contact me or go onto the binary website, they will find that we uh, do reveal those politicians who support our view, who are prepared to speak up about this, and we also expose those who are not prepared to speak out about this. And it's very important that Australians are informed and educated when it comes to these issues. So for listeners today, there may be a takeaway. Perhaps you could call it a little bit of homework. Check the binary.org.au website and find those list of politicians. Perhaps your local member is on that list and you might know how you can approach them. Uh, Deborah Ackerson, let me come back to you here because uh, when we talk about women and sport and the trans agenda, a steamrollering of women's sport... The discouragement of women from even taking up sport to play. There's some major effects here, aren't there? Oh, look, absolutely. Um, and, you know, a lot of our elite female athletes have started when they were quite young, right through to teenage years. And, um, you know, I've seen it personally uh, with even with one of my, one of my kids that's, um, you know, played in uh, soccer, you know, that was for, um, it was a mixed soccer team and that's, you know, totally fine. We all get what that means. Um, but, you know, playing against boys, um, you, you know, you do you do actually see, and being a coach, a volunteer coach for quite a few years now, um, I have seen the difference and how early that can start and where girls just feel like if they're being completely outplayed or if they're, you know, if they're not keeping up, um, they're not going to continue to play. They're either going to not make teams and then get disappointed or they're just not going to keep playing. So, you know, in the long run, uh, you know, I, I am quite worried, um, even as a sport and rec officer, as a mother, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the amount of involvement in girls' sport. And, yeah, it's, it's going to happen straight away and it won't happen for all sports. But, you know, for myself, I know the disappointment that I felt when I looked at the rankings and realised, you know, well, we can count out one spot straight away because that one's taken um, because we knew that that athlete, Laurel Hubbard, was going to be you know, taking that spot. So um, I suppose that's the, you know, that's the concern is that um, you, you can't, I find it hard to kind of go, it'll be okay in this scenario or that scenario because 
it's not. It's not going to be safe. And I mean, even social sport, I think we've all, you know, if we've played social sport, had that experience where there's always that person that, um, you know, just it's not social and they go hard and someone gets hurt. And that's also a concern. Um, you know, that's why I don't play social sport because I get too competitive. Um, so, <laughs> so I think, you know, that, that's, that's something definitely to, you know, to take into consideration. I think there's so many reasons and yes, fairness and equity and justice and everything come down to, you know, the essence of it. Um, but, you know, there's so many, yeah, there's just so many reasons why um, we need to really, yeah, look at this issue. When there is a trans person on the podium, it has robbed a real woman of being a champion in her sport. Let me just widen this a little bit here, uh, Deborah, about the things that happen not only in the elite athletes, but also in the local club competitions that are happening in towns and cities all around Australia, things that are going on in change rooms or in toilets, uh, these sorts of things, even as they're allowed into our local sporting competitions, have major effects, don't they? Oh, look, and yes, hundred uh, percent. And I think that that's you know that's a concern is um where do these athletes um, where are they allowed to be? Where where shouldn't they be? Um, you know, you, I mean, we've we've had these laws, we've had laws in place for children and protection of children, um, you know, for a long time now, and there's reasons why. And so we we need to realise that there's always going to be these consequences that flow on from, you know, allowing people to basically do do where yeah do what do what they want to do and go where they want to go. So it's it's not um. We have to have these rules in place, and they have to be fair rules. And at the moment, um, they're not. And and I mean, you know, we we want to be protecting children, and we want to be protecting women. And that's you know because there's a vulnerable situation here that we need to have our eyes open to. And it's not fair to wait until something goes wrong, um, or or something happens um, before we suddenly go, oh, whoops, we better, you know, we better make a change in this area. And I mean, I think you know, over in America, there was change room issues with. With different different shopping centres, and there have been there have been things that have happened at schools and you know in other countries where there have been, you know, girls that have been you know hurt um, because because of this. So I think that's where you know we we can't just wait for something really bad to happen before we you know realise this is a big issue. Now, Deborah, only got you for another minute or two left. Uh, we've got our listeners today. Uh, there'll be a diverse bunch of people right around Australia. Lots of women will be holding on to every word because they'll see you as a champion of women's rights here. How do you, when you're talking to groups and perhaps in churches and those sorts of places that you will have opportunity to speak, but you've got a bigger platform than that being a champion women's weightlifter, how do you address this for people and say, hey, it's time to get on board, there's a battle to be fought and we can't afford to lose? Look, I think um, I think for some people they may not have come across this as an issue because then they're, they're not directly affected. And you know, unless you have a, a daughter that's um, you know that, that's maybe going through school or at a club sport, or unless you yourself have got a relative or a friend, this you might not realise that this is an issue yet. But I think this is the important thing: is to realise that this is a this is an issue for all women and all girls. And if if basically we don't get on top of this issue and realise whether we're male or female, if we don't realise that this is a significant issue that's going to impact every single one of our children, every single one of our females in this country, um, yeah, we, we you need to get on board with it. And it's not an issue that you can ignore. Um, it is one of the major issues that I feel that's going around because it affects so many things. Um, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, it's very easy to try and ignore the issue if it doesn't directly involve you. So I guess just keep in mind, if you know any females that, that you have anything to do with, um, this is for that person and, and for, you know, every every girl that wants to be an elite athlete. So, I, you know, I, I feel bad when I hear, athletes, you know, female athletes or retired athletes say, oh, I'm so glad I'm not competing anymore because it, it's such a difficult time and, you know, particularly with COVID or particularly with this issue. But it's not enough for me to do anymore because I know my girls are going to be you know competing and, and I can tell you now if my daughter had to line up and, and fight against a, a biological male um, I wouldn't be happy about it and, and that's why I'm trying to you know get into this now because it's, it's not going to be fair and, and I don't want to see you know girls hurt or injured or um, you know I, I don't want to see that happen before people realise and I think you know swimming around the world have suddenly woken up and realised that if we want our female Australian girls to come back with you know gold medals from the Olympic Games and other competitions um, you know, we need to get on top of this issue and realise, um, you know, who we're protecting and, and what we're actually fighting for. Kiralee, as we move into this part of our conversation, and I just want to say uh, we'll take some calls from listeners in just a few moments, but there's some recent evidence that's come to, to light. Uh, girls getting injured when trans people are demanding to play in women's sport. What's the latest on all of that? 
Yeah, look, it's really horrifying, uh, Neil. In uh, Australia's uh, Women's Football League, the AWFL, I think it's called, <laughs> uh, in, uh, you know, very big, obviously, in Victoria and South Australia and, and right around Australia now, uh, I had a coach contact me, and we do have her full story on our website at the moment. Um, but I, I wanted to share it with the listeners because it's quite alarming. Um, this this female coach who coaches her team, uh, she coaches some uh, 15 and 16 and 17-year-old girls. Uh, she shares a story uh, what happened last year. Uh, they Their team was playing against another team and they had a transgender player, so a male who was appropriating being a female. He stood seven foot tall with 120 kilos uh, which, you know, you're not going to find many girls seven foot tall and 120 kilos, um, was up against a player who was not quite six foot. Uh, I don't know all the terminology, but the coach said uh, that the trans player took a specky up her back. I imagine that's when we see them running up someone's back. And uh, the girl, the 16-year-old girl, crumpled in a heap, ended up laying on the uh, the field, got a free kick but had to come off afterwards because of her injuries. And then just the weekend gone, um, her under-17 girls were playing again uh, against another team. Uh, this time they had a six-foot-five boy uh, 90 kilos on the field and uh, did a very similar thing. And uh, it was very scary for the 15 and 16 year old girls. And they're in a situation where, uh, like Deborah said in the last half hour, if they complain, if they make, um, you know, reports to the uh, AFL or to others, then they are threatened with losing their positions, losing their memberships, uh, not being able to take the field, uh, all for the sake of appeasing. Uh, this transgender ideology. Now, no one's saying these boys can't play. We're just saying they need to play according to their biological reality. So they're males. They need to play in male teams or have open and mixed teams where it's very obvious uh, that, you know, girls who want to play in those mixed teams are signing up, understanding that they'll be playing against males. But when it's a female category, it is essential that it is for females only, that for their safety, for fairness, for privacy and for dignity, uh, women and girls need that protection and need that assurance that they can take the field and go into the change rooms without having to deal with males who are stronger, uh, faster, uh, and who can cause them very serious bodily harm uh, if they are to compete against them. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call or two. Norm is in Tenderden in WA. Hello, Norm. Welcome. How are you going, Neil? Very well, Norm. What are your thoughts? That's good. Um, I was listening to your weightlifting athlete earlier on, who was um, saying that she was almost scared of saying the wrong thing. Mm. And, and I would just like to encourage her in thinking that she's not saying the wrong thing. She's saying the right thing to people who want to sensationalise this thing. And they're in it for making money. The reporters who do this are not there to make a name for themselves. They're not there to really support any issue, most of them, it seems anyway. Um, but I think the real thing here is, is that we just need to keep speaking the truth loud and clear, not being fearful of them. And if you lose your place in a team because of it and you end up with a whole team of transgender so-called men trying to be women, then the whole thing will collapse eventually. Norm, you make such a powerful point that somehow or other you have to have the courage to stand up and tell the truth because there are those who are trying to steamroll the competition who want to silence the truth. And some will say, well, how do you know what the truth is? Well, as Christians, we do know what the truth is. We know that God created male and female in his image. And that is such a strong powerful platform, a foundation on which we can build our lives, build our families and build our society. Norm, wonderful comments there. Kiralee, what are your thoughts for Norm? Look, yes, Norm, absolutely, you know, well said. And then Deb, um, you know, she, she is now coming out and, and speaking very boldly, very powerfully, 
very openly about her experience. And But I think the key thing here also to remember is that I actually don't think it should be on the shoulders of the female athletes to carry this in its entirety. I think that the coaches, the officials and the sporting uh, organisations themselves need to bear the weight of this responsibility. Because as Deb said, when it came to her fifth consecutive Commonwealth Games, she wasn't... Um, you know, she trained, she'd been competing for 20 years. It was the first Commonwealth Games where all her family and friends could attend. She was going there to celebrate her incredible career and then to have it hijacked by this trans agenda, uh, it's just criminal in my opinion. Uh, it shouldn't have been up to Deb to um, withdraw or to speak out or to risk her place on the team. It should have been up to her coaches. It should have been up to Weightlifting Australia. It should have been up to those Commonwealth officials to protect Deb and the other female athletes in that situation. Um, but they shouldn't have to put aside 20 years of a career accolades training uh, for the sake of of making a point that we all know is true. So I think it's up to us, up to the church, up to the Christian community um, to really get around these female athletes and ensure their protection and to ensure their ability to compete and perform at their best without having to be concerned about this political issue on the side. Norm in WA, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Andrew is in Moree in New South Wales. Hi, Andrew. Welcome. Uh, good morning. How are you? Very well, Andrew. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah. Well, firstly, just wanting to thank Kiralee and and obviously the other the lady that was there before. I forgot Deborah, her name. Deborah. Um, yep. Deborah. That's right. Just the importance of um, this matter. I mean, I've got five girls, and they're all involved in sport to some degree, and it's it's going to end up becoming a a distant memory um, if, if it continues this way, really. Um, the safety, the just the uncompetitiveness. But we do have friends who have very gifted um, women athletes and, and they can just about compete with some of the men, but, yeah, it's a very, it's a very rare thing. And, yeah, I just want to applaud those that are looking out for this just to, to continue sport and the importance of it. I mean, one of the things about sport is it's it's a healthy healthy thing, and it's a, also a, a good way in a social environment to be with other people. But yeah, we we need to protect it. Andrew, good comments in there. Kiralee, your thoughts for Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Greatly appreciated. Um, yes, and you know, as as a father of five girls and and all the parents out there. It is a very concerning issue, not just on the field, but again in the change rooms and, and other areas. And all we want for our kids is to have fair and safe opportunities to compete. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be engaged um, in community service, you know, and a lot of sporting clubs. The kids also get to serve in the canteens and do other things. But uh, allowing males to identify as female uh, will greatly reduce the incentives um, and the desire for girls to, to participate at that community level. So I think, again, it is up to all of us to take on this responsibility, not leave it for our girls who have to run on the field and suddenly be confronted with this, but we need to be writing to our sporting organisations, we need to be obviously doing it with care and dignity, um, and, and just encouraging those transgender athletes to either compete according to their biology or for those sporting associations to create a category, uh, a mixed category or a transgender category where they can compete fairly and safely together. Leave our girls alone. Andrew, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Kiralee, let's just revisit some really important information, I think, uh, because when we talk about the inequality that happens when you have a biological male competing on a female sporting field, and as you said, in the women's AFL, uh, there are people who are... Now, women being injured because of the size of the athletes. Some people will say, isn't it just an issue of testosterone? And if that can be adjusted in the male, doesn't that equal, you know, equalize everything for the sporting field? I wonder if you've got any thoughts here because uh, some people will, that will be their argument. Well, if you just make some adjust adjustments, it'll all be equal, won't it? Yeah, um, actually, my mind boggles that people can and do use that argument. And most sporting codes 
actually only rely on the testosterone argument and they say, some of them say that a male's testosterone has to come down to under 10 nanomoles per litre and others say five. Most women don't even have three nanomoles of uh, testosterone. You know, there's some, there's some exceptions to the rule always, but most women are about one and a half to three. And uh, it, it's, it's an unfair advantage if we just look at testosterone. But what we also have to look at is um, in puberty and, and pre-puberty even, males have far more advantages than just testosterone. They have uh, a larger body frame or build, like their skeletal muscle mass is greater. They have double the, uh, I think they're called switch, uh, the, the switch uh, fibres in their muscles. So they, they have more muscle mass, more muscle density, more bone density, greater lung capacity, more blood volume. Uh, so many things that are advantages in sport because bodies play sport, not identities. So we can identify the, you know, a pelican if we want to, but, you know, it's, it's bodies that play sport. And uh, if we compare... Pretty much all sports of physicality, uh, we see that males always hold greater records than females and often it can be up to the top 200, 400 males will still beat the top female because of the advantages. So to, to rely on testosterone as an argument is insulting, it's dangerous and it's, not, it's just not appropriate. Essential equality, this is where our Christian foundation comes to the fore because we recognise that we are created equal, men and women in the sight of God. But when it comes to the sporting fields, uh, biological men don't menstruate, we don't fall pregnant, uh, we don't breastfeed, but these things that are a normal part of womanhood, uh, that takes its toll on competitiveness as a female. So, again, another inequality that can't be resolved, Kiralee. That's right. And, you know, I think when we I think the word e- equal and equality have been really um, distorted and disrupted, just just you know, taken by the enemy and and made to mean something they're not because we're of equal value. So our value, our worth before God and before man is exactly the same. But our roles and our abilities are different and that's by design and that ought to be celebrated and embraced. And, you know, when I listen to Deborah talk about, you know, the babies that she had in between different um, Commonwealth and Olympic Games and the fact that she could still come back, I think, wow, that deserves an amazing celebration, you know, just in itself. But but it's correct when we're when we're training. You know, there's days of the month that we can't train as hard or as vigorously in seasons of our life. When a lot of males are peaking in their 20s and 30s, that's also the time when a lot of women are having children. So there are very distinct disadvantages for women on the field, and that's why we have separate categories to begin with, because we recognise that there are biological differences uh, between males and females. They're fantastic differences. We love those differences, but they need to be kept separate because they're different. Let's take another call. Max is in Bowen in Queensland. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. Max. Hi, how are you? Very well, Max. Just turn your radio down there in the background. Yep. <laughs> okay. Max, yep. what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Um... Yeah, I, I agree with um, Carrie Ann there that, you know, and it's about equality that, um, you know, like men, we have, we have male sports, women have women's sports, and the transgender people, that's, well, they just want the equality as well and to be in, in, in that, you know, and, um, and they, should, they should have their own um, sporting body and that, because even if with the dis- disability people, they have, you have the um, disability games, Olympic Games, disability games, you know, so they're recognised and they're equal as well. Because um, I remember years ago when when um, uh, people had disabilities, they'd lock them up in the back room or in the back house, and that nobody didn't know want to know about them. But they you had to edu- you know, get get them out and educate people that there was a sickness that they had and that they had to um, look after them and become a normal part of this society. Well, and same as the um, transgenders, you know, I'm a Christian as well. We've got, you know, gay families, in, you know, who are in, in, who are in churches and stuff, but, um, they, but we try and pray for them and, you know, and they, they know that it's, a, it's a sickness and stuff. And, um, but it's the equality, like you say, it's about equality and, um, and just giving them the opportunity to have their own 
sporting body or whatever it is that they need. And Max, you're making some good points there. Kiralee, is there a possibility that there could be a separate competition for trans athletes? Yeah, look, I think that they're fabulous comments, Max, and I totally agree. And, you know, we do, we celebrate and honour our para-athletes para because they're amazing achievers, um, but they deserve to have their own category because there are distinct, again, uh, differences between a para-athlete and an able-bodied athlete. So uh, we, we gladly make those accommodations. We gladly um, allow them to have their own uh, competitions and to compete and to be celebrated in that. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of... Um, the media, a lot of the bias, a lot of the activists try and pull on the heartstrings and say, oh, we don't want transgender people competing. Well, it's, it's simply not true. We do. We Anybody should be allowed to play sport. That's not our issue. The issue is where is it fair and where is it safe? And it's not fair or safe for males to play in female sporting categories. So, yes, an, an obvious solution is to have that transgender category uh, they're already in many many sports mixed or open um, sports where they can play there's no disadvantage whatsoever if they choose to play in those uh, those categories or they can play in their biological uh, what they how they were born category so there's plenty plenty of options plenty of opportunities for transgender athletes to compete we're simply asking to protect women's sport and to keep female sport for females only. Max, thanks so much for your call. And let's squeeze in one more. Chris is in Melbourne. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Uh, good day, Neil and Jess. Yeah, I, I just want to say um, they make such a big deal of drug testing and, you know, for fairness and equality <laughs> in sport. So I, I can't see the point of, uh, you know, they should just ban all drug testing from tomorrow. And uh, also it's up to... The female athletes in all the sports that band together, it's got nothing to do with religion or anything. Like the lady said, there's maybe 400 male uh, before even the best female. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there's one in the sport now and they're taking the money away and people think, oh, I'll get second or third or fourth. I'll still make money. But uh, once the people see that they can make a lot of money, it's going to become saturated. And, uh, you know, it's going to just wipe out all, all the females in that sport. So they should just band together and say no. And um, also, it, it borders on abuse, like you said, with the, the players thing. And it seems very um, strange that the Me Too movement uh, or things like that don't uh, get involved, you know. Chris, good points there. A really, really interesting and strong one you've raised. Uh, the prize money. Uh, perhaps there needs to be a whole lot more trans athletes taking the prize money away from women in order to actually get the attention of the nation. I wonder whether the money might make a difference. Uh, any thoughts here, Kerrilee, and your response for Chris? Yeah, look, all good comments. Um, uh, I agree. Uh, the drug testing one in particular, I think, is something we need to focus on because these males are taking drugs to lower their testosterone. But if women were to take drugs or testosterone to get up to the same level, they would be banned as drug cheats. So there's a real contradiction and hypocrisy that goes on there. Same with the Me Too movement, although there are a lot of feminists speaking out, but they're not getting the media coverage. Um you know, which makes it really, really difficult. And in terms of prize money, a skateboarder, I think for one of the energy drinks, uh, just lost a competition to a transgender skateboarder and she spoke out and said it wasn't fair because he took the prize money uh, that, you know, rightly belonged to a woman. And uh, she was ostracised, actually, um, on social media and in the media uh, for being selfish, for not being inclusive, for being transphobic. So there's a long way to go in this battle, but uh, that's certainly one area that uh, it hurts and it will make a difference uh, for women as they start losing not just the accolades but also the prize money in some of these sports. And uh, unfortunately, again, I don't think it should just rest solely on their uh, athletes' shoulders, but I think that the sporting organisation need to take a long, good, hard look at themselves and uh, stand up for their female uh, participants or we will not see uh, the, the development of female athletes in the way that we should. Chris in Melbourne, thanks so much for your call. Time is running out. I mentioned that there would be you know, talk about new momentum. Uh, Claire Chandler's bill uh, to protect women in sport. The thought of talking money here for a few moments... 
because uh, Binary, uh, you've been there right on the forefront, uh, bringing these issues to the fore, Kiralee. Uh, what sort of campaigns have you got ahead? And uh, there may be some listeners today who are saying, well, this is something we need to get behind and not just uh, perhaps even in a way that might say we're aware of these things or we'll pray about these things, but we might actually donate some money to a cause like this. Uh, what sort of funding is necessary for some campaigns you've got coming up? What, what's on the horizon? Well, a really important thing on the horizon is Victorian elections coming up in November, but we're starting some campaigning now because uh, there is a real push and emphasis in Victoria to expose toddlers to gender-fluid teaching and materials and resources in the classrooms, at their childcare centres. And it's, it's quite frankly, so wrong and so offensive. And uh, Daniel Andrews and his government are making it illegal for parents to even object about these things. So we really need to work hard because that will be a litmus test for our nation as well. And so churches, leaders around the country need to keep a very close eye on what, ta- what is happening in Victoria and what we can do about it. And also in Tasmania, uh, the conversion therapy laws are about to be uh, tabled and debated again, and uh, it's not looking very very good down there. They want to go in the same footsteps of Victoria and make it illegal for parents to uh, try and encourage their children to embrace the sex that they were born in, uh, to pray for them, to do those sort of things. And uh, Tasmania are looking to want to outlaw uh, that sort of Christian care and... and uh, uh, parental rights. So there's there's always battles on the horizon. There's always awareness that we need to raise and we really need to spread the message and wake more people up. Kiralee, about binary, if someone goes to the binary website, binary.org.au, uh, is there a way you can connect, subscribe? Is there a donate yes. button there? Uh, how many people are following you these days uh, with binary yes. and supporting you? Well, look, we have 60,000 email subscribers. We have many more on social media. We reach over a million a week on social media. But it is really important to sign up uh, to get the email updates. There is a donate button. Uh, We send out weekly emails to keep people informed of our actions, of our campaigns, of what you can do, who you can write to, uh, how you can uh, be involved and take responsibility in this area. And, uh, yeah, feel free to jump on and and become a part of the binary community. You know, 60,000 email subscribers uh, get a little context there needs to be 600,000 email subscribers you might be the next one let let me encourage listeners Uh, go to binary.org.au and as I say uh, become a subscriber get those regular updates and perhaps even uh, send a few dollars towards the campaigns that are so necessary to protect girls and women in sport as well as all of those other issues that we'll talk about some more on another day but Kiralee thank you so much for taking some time to share these things with us today on 2020. Thank you for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.